Ruthie De La Sega, welcome to Power and Witness. And uh, I jumped on my chance to talk to you because you were telling me about a book you'd written, Mary and the Saints. Yes. And tell us about the topic of that book. All right. Well, first, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary and the Saints, there, it is a Marian consecration preparation book. So there's actually two volumes out right now, and it's each book. Uh, features 33 different saints or um, just holy men and women. Some are not yet canonized yet. Some are on the on the path of canonization. Um, but they give us just a stories of, or so it's each day is a story of their life and whatever Marian teaching or devotion that they uh, gave to the church. Mm-hmm. And this this kind of out there question, but I, I was just talking about this with somebody else today. It just seemed like so many cultures have titles that they celebrate Our Lady with, mm-hmm. and it's almost like her apparitions and and devotion to her is so enculturated. Mm-hmm. It seemed like more than Our Lord, you know, devotion to Jesus. Why is that, do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, just my own personal experience mm-hmm. of Uh, my own first Marian consecration is what led me to my encounter with Jesus. And I think that my relationship with Jesus is so important to me. And I give so much credit to Mary that, you know, I um, was born and raised Catholic and tried so many times to say, you know, I want to live my life for you or I want to do this. And, and I just couldn't, I didn't, I didn't have whatever that was to, to keep going, the grace to keep going. You know, I would leave church and just continue living my life. And it wasn't until my consecration with Mary that she obtained the grace for me to like become more hungry for him um, and pursue him more and frequent the sacraments more and go to adoration more and whatever that is. So I, I'm wondering if each, um, while it is definitely within the culture, you know, different titles of her, apparitions of mm-hmm. her, um, uh, just the appreciation of her role in leading to Jesus is, is um I would hope would be would be the a reason. Of it, yeah. yeah, I remember being down in Brazil for World Youth Day, and they have Our Lady of Aparecida, mm. and I forgot. I mean, this was like centuries ago. Like a fisherman was throwing a net in, and he he pulled up like half a statue, and then he cast the net in again. And he pulled up the other half. Oh my gosh! So it's this small little statue. It's very humble, very mm. simple, but it's this massive shrine. This great. It's like the Marian devotion of Brazil. And um, it's amazing. I mean, it just seems like it's not, it's operating on the order of grace here. Mm-hmm. But like the fruitfulness and even the causality doesn't seem to quite make sense, you know. But, um, and, but why, what made you do the consecration? Did somebody mm-hmm. tell you that this is a powerful way to Jesus or? Uh, yeah, so I actually had never heard of Marian consecration. I talked to my mom about it now, and she said, well, we were consecrated a long time ago. You know, they, they had done the Louis de Montfort version when we were little, my parents had. Um, but it, to my, like, adult, in my adult life, I hadn't, and really hadn't heard of it. And then um, she gave me the 33 Days to Morning Glory, Father Michael Gately's, when that first came out. And I was at a place in my life that I was, I, I was like, I was restless. Um, and I had, I was doing everything that I thought I wanted. I had a good job and a good place and I had good friends and all the things that, you know, I'm like, once I get this, I'll be happy. Once I get this, I'll be happy. And there was just an underlying restlessness. 
And um, so that was late 2011. And so for 2012 Lent, I decided I was going to go to daily mass every day. And so I started doing that. And at the same time, my mom gave me this consecration book. So I said, I'm going to try to do this every night. And um, it was hard, actually. You know, it's a page or two a night. It's not a ton of reading, but still I just found it difficult. And I wasn't in the habit of praying. I wasn't in the habit of um, you know, wanting to like pursue a really a relationship with Jesus other than mass on Sundays. Um, and so, but I, I, I tried to stick to it. And so it was in at the end of that consecration that um, I was just in a daily mass after mass. I just had this encounter with Jesus and I knew it was him and it was simple, but it was, uh, I mean, it changed my whole life. You know, it's one of those things that I felt like this powerful, gentle, gentleman's love. Um, and, and I knew it was for me and I knew I didn't earn it or deserve it. And, and that encounter just changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I looked back, I, I didn't realize it was through Mary's intercession that that happened until a year and a half later, I, I put together that I had just made a Marian consecration and this encounter happened. Like she led me to her son. Um, and so I, I think that um, since then, I, you know, from my own experience, I can say like, make a Marian consecration, you know, it's, it, it, it'll change your life in, in the best ways. Um, and so then when, so that was in 2012, so eight years later, my youngest sister is looking to make a Marian consecration, you know, for the first time. And I'm like, yes, like, mm -hmm. you just say, you know, you just hope for the same thing for her. Um, but so she wanted, she was looking for one that had to do with the saints and she wanted to know more about the saints. She's a second grade teacher and, and she would talk about the saints with her class. So she wanted something that incorporated them as well. And um, that summer 2020, uh, in adoration, I had been thinking, you know, gosh, it would be, because I, I would make a Marian consecration twice a year. And you do the same ones over and over where you kind of feel like you're on autopilot a little bit. You know, I remember this day and you kind of glaze over it or... Um, and so I was like, man, I want to look up one about that's about a different saint every day and, and learn about them and what they brought to the church um, for like their Marian teaching or their stories or their devotions or whatever it is. And so I Googled it and I looked for this book and it didn't show up. There wasn't one. And, and so I kind of felt that was like the first invitation of Mary, like a little nudge of you do it because I, I love the saints and I was campus minister for four and a half years and every saints feast day we'd learn about them and you know i i love learning um like little known facts about them or stories that make them come alive and um so that yeah sounded like a big task and then when my sister said that i felt like that was another invitation of mary saying you do it and so um, and she gave me like very clearly the format to do it you do one saint a day you you know take it one day at a time so i just did every day a different saint and i would email them to her at night for the next day and and that lasted the first 33 days so that was kind of my sister was my motivation for doing it and your sister's a saint right now <laughs> it's on her way for sure <laughs> how how would you describe that encounter with jesus you said that was after like a daily mass you were praying yeah right? yeah so it was during lent 2012 um, and you know, I, was, I was at a point in my life where, um, again, I would, I would go to Mass on Sundays, but it would be, I would go a little bit late 
leave a little bit early, mm -hmm. wasn't really um, pursuing a life of holiness, honestly. Like I um, had grown up praying the rosary every night and I was living away from home at this time. And so that was something, if ever I was homesick, the rosary was the thing I would turn to. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so I, I always had that uh, link. Um, but so then at the same time as that, it was kind of like I was in a spot where uh, none of my friends were Catholic. So I had this like my Catholic home world mm -hmm. and I had like my work friends world. And um, because of that, I think uh, it was, I, I didn't really know, it was almost like I was um, not on purpose, but kind of living two lives almost, you know, like these are the things you focus on at home. Mm -hmm. These are the things you focus on away from home. So like, I didn't really know, I got to a point, I didn't know like what was right and what wasn't almost. And so I remember um, also going to daily mass, that was the first time I realized the readings are consistent, like they continue. And so it was after um, mass one day and I'm sitting in church and it was dark and there's nobody else in there. They turned the lights off and, and I'm sitting there saying, I wanna look at tomorrow's readings, but I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know if that's allowed, you know? And so I'm like sitting there with that and, um, and honestly, and just sitting there, it was like this in, just in my heart, like a, um, I can't describe it as anything, but an encounter of just, I knew he was there and I knew that, um, and all the things that I had done, he loved me in it. And again, it was like a strong love, meaning like it was stronger than any of the things that were holding me back or that I thought were keeping me away. Um, I knew it was stronger than that. And um, I, it's it's really cheesy, but the the visual that I picture in my head when I think about that is, you know, those movies where um, like the hero is carrying the girl and there's all these explosions going on behind him. That's how I felt. I mm. felt like he was carrying me mm. out of all of that. Mm. And you describe it as a gentlemanly. Right? Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, like an invitation. He he oh. didn't impose. Yeah. He wasn't. Um, he didn't shame. He didn't impose. He wasn't forceful. But I knew he was strong, I knew he was gentle, and I knew he would be patient. But I, but I also knew he was inviting me into mm. something deeper. Wow. And so you were doing campus ministry. What what school was that at? It's called St. James Academy. It's in Lenexa, Kansas. Oh, it's a college. Or? It's a high school. Oh, high that's school. A, yeah, it's a great high school. So you got a experience of like what? younger generations going through and all that and so well let, let's talk about maybe what you learned from your research and your different little chapters in the book um, are there some saints that come to mind that really struck you what they taught about Mary yeah um, so I would say first one of the things that I learned is in looking at each of the saints, their lives are so different. Mm -hmm. Even if it was um, the same time period, the same um, vocation, whatever it is, they're different. Their stories are totally different. Their personalities are different, um, but their way of holiness was the same. And um, you know, frequenting the sacraments, um, going to adoration often, consecrated themselves to Mary, you know, praying the rosary, saying the memorari, um, the miraculous medal played a, a big role in all of this. But um, so I just found it really interesting that their um, their lives are so different, yet their, their like path or formula for holiness was mm -hmm. the same. And I think for me, 
um, you know, and you, and you come to a, a point in your life where you're like, I want, I don't know what to do, or I don't know where to go, or I don't know how to grow in holiness. What I found was consistently, I can just do what they do, you know, frequent the sacraments, go to adoration more, um, be, be more, um, like devoted to my daily rosary, whatever that is in that, and in that, and focusing on my relationship with Jesus, he takes care of everything else. And all of a sudden you're doing what you're supposed to be, you know, what, what he wants you to do or, um, or in that same thing of, <clears throat> of, um, like a Marian consecration, I feel like makes me more me. Like um, she helps rid me of the vices that keep me from being fully who God created me to be. Uh, and then and in that same realm of being able to recognize and say yes to the things that he's inviting me to, that's, that are, that's my mission. You know, whether it's my vocation mission, whether it's um, as a wife and a mom, or, you know, when I was a campus minister at a high school um, of, of walking with those students or of, you know, if you're meeting with a student, you just come Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit's going to be where Mary is. He flocks to wherever she is. So if I'm consecrated to Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to be there. And if I'm in these conversations with these teenagers who are having these, you know, real life problems that you say, come Holy Spirit, like he is there and he gives the words that I never would have thought of myself, or he gives the resources or whatever it is. Um, so I think just in that, in, in living, um, like it's a, it's a lived out consecration, but not in me constantly going to Mary. It's in her purifying me that I can greater live my own mission. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw like um, an Instagram video of, they had like Kobe Bryant, you know, the great basketball player. Yeah, yeah. And he was, his workout ethic was just legendary. And he, he talked about, it was so simple. He said, you know, you think about it, like if you go to work out and then you you rest and eat and hydrate and, and then three hours later you work out again. And they said, well, if you started at like five in the morning, then you could do like lunch. And then, you know, so then after a period of years, you'll have X amount of more time mm-hmm. than the guy next to you, you know? It was like, you know, it was like, it was so simple. Mm-hmm. But basically it was just saying, like, you know, you, you work at it. And, and, you know, and the productivity people are, they talk about, you know, consistency is the most important thing. I mean, sometimes we get paralyzed. We gotta do this just right. But if you just keep trying yeah. and, and being open to whatever, you know, works. But I, I love, I think what you said there is so vital that, if I just can do what they did, mm-hmm. you know, my feelings, my distractions, what I think I, maybe I should be doing can rip me apart and put me all over the place. Mm-hmm. Because we hear today, you know, I'm spiritual, not religious. Mm-hmm. And I always think we're just kidding ourselves. If, if I don't, if I'm not connected to a bigger body of mm-hmm. believers, to teachers, to examples and to practices, mm-hmm. you know, I could convince myself that I'm, got it all together or something like that. But I need to be taught. I need to go through the motions maybe. I don't feel it, but the emotions maybe will accompany it. Maybe the right feelings will too as I do Mm -hmm. it. So, Mm -hmm. and then when you, you made the consecration and then I know we renew it every year and we redo those preparation things for St. Louis de Montfort, Mm -hmm. but we do abbreviate it. We don't do the full thing. And, and I think he even says, technically, you could just renew it on the date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't need the preparation. Yeah. yeah. So 
How do you, you said you renew it twice a year? I try to do um, twice a year, yeah. Right. And I've noticed each time I've reconsecrated myself, a new grace has come. Hmm. So, um, and again, that's something, it's, it's almost like you, you don't notice in, unless you look back, mm -hmm. um, but you can see the different graces that come when you're, you know, I'm, I want to deepen that consecration. I want to renew it. I want to do it again. And, um, you know, we, we pray a daily Marian consecration of just, you know, um, Jesus, I give you everything through your mother or um, Mother Teresa has one, just Mary, be a mother to me now. Like mm -hmm. there, there doesn't have to be super complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think we get kind of caught up in that. Like, well, I didn't make a, a proper, con or I didn't make a proper preparation or I missed a day, so I must stop or whatever that is. Like um, Mary knows our intentions and she knows our hearts and she's, you know, she's a mother. She's not going to be like, sorry, you missed day 29, so you can't do this. <laughs> or, you know, the Marian consecration prayer, you left out that word. Like she, she knows, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it can be something simple. So, so when you do like the St. Louis de Montfort, you're reading the long prayer like mm -hmm. twice a mm -hmm. year, right? No, I don't do the Louis de Montfort one. Oh, you don't? Actually, it oh. intimidates me. So. Oh, which one do you do? <laughs> um, I do different ones. So the uh -huh. 30 30s Morning Glory is the one uh -huh. that we, we just finished in uh -huh. June. Um, but I'll do, so I did the, my volumes, honestly, we, we did that mm -hmm. a bunch. There's, um, a, there's different ones. There's one, a, a contemplative, oh, I forgot what it's called. Um, I'll just find, I'll, I'll just look for different random Marian consecrations, okay. but, um, I hadn't done the Father Michael Gately one in a couple of years because mm -hmm. I felt like I was kind of doing it on autopilot, you know? Right. And so mm -hmm. now when we went back to it, it was like, oh my gosh, you're seeing it with totally fresh eyes and you're catching things you never caught before. Right. And yeah, so I think for me, it was better to kind of mix it up and do different versions to just keep it fresh and keep my mind focused on it. Yeah. You know, we say one as a community and I, I can't even recite it right now. It's a short little thing. But one I like to say privately in the mornings is I, I heard it was a line from a Catherine Doherty prayer. Mm. And it says something like, Beloved Mother, gather us into your arms mm. and give us strength for another day. Mm. And it just so struck me when I read that because, you know, she had been through the Russian Revolution yeah. and starved. You know, there's one location, I forgot which group, had her, the family and the community pinned in. And, and then, you know, came to this country and had all these different trials and struggles and and I thought, she's asking for strength every day. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like one description there, I think Thomas Merton said about her. He said, hearing her talk is like being thrown down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so for her to, to sort of sweetly pray to our Mar the Blessed mm -hmm. Mother, you know, give us strength for another day. Mm -hmm. I just loved that. You know, and I yeah. just took that, took that out. Cause she, like you mentioned, you know, Our Lady sees what we truly need as a mother and make sure that we have what we need right, right. in terms of grace and it is it's totally day-to-day -day. like she's you know you re you can do a, a daily renewal every day because that's that's what you need for that day you know she right. gives you what you need for that day but again we can get overwhelmed and bogged down with why well, can't commit to go to daily mass every day well can you commit to go today and mm -hmm. then tomorrow you can make the decision to go tomorrow right but i think right. that was another thing um in my initial consecration, or I mean, in my initial conversion of, um, like I, this is like my, um, this is what I do. And so to change that 
it's so overwhelming to think, oh my gosh, I have to change everything. And I was 27 and you get that, you know, devil in your ear saying you're too old to do anything. It's everything's passed you by. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I remember uh, when one day I was just like, you know what, even if this is what my life has been, I want to decide today to do these things. And it is, it's like, then today leads to tomorrow, the next day it snowballs and it's 11 years later. And right. you know, it, it, my life is completely different than it was right. back then because of the daily decision and the daily consecration. Yeah. And how would you define what it means to be consecrated? I actually just read like the official church definition, but it's escaping me right now. Oh, <laughs> it was, yeah, like was like this long kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how would you define it? I think, um, and so you're consecrating yourself to Jesus, yeah. but it's through his mother, through the, mm-hmm. so um, who better to go, you know, we, we hear this all the time, who better to go to Jesus than through Mary, his mother. So um, I feel like a, a Marian consecration is you are asking her to put her hand on your shoulder and walk you to the foot of the cross mm-hmm. so you can hear him speak to you. And mm-hmm. then she will, if you, you know, if, if you don't understand what he's saying, she'll tell you what he means. She'll explain it, you know, like, yeah. Um, and, and actually, uh, Mother Teresa, you can say that about her and her call within a call, how she remembers, you know, Mary has her arms around her shoulders, leads her to the foot of the cross. And Jesus says to her, I thirst. Well, what does that mean for her life? Mary tells her what that means for her, Mm. you know, so it's, so she, she isn't the one who gives our mission. She's maybe the one who can help explain it, or she's, um, the one who can obtain the graces to do it, but she's not the actual one. And and nor, you know, would we think she is or would we want her yeah. to be or do whatever that. he tells you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to you saying that too reminds me just you know, she appears certainly she's in these big moments, wedding feast mm-hmm, to Cana, mm-hmm. and the Annunciation scene, what's bigger than the Annunciation, you know. But at the same time it's like to the public ministry she might show up here and there in the crowd or something and wanting to see jesus or something but and then and then like kaboom you know she's at the foot of the cross mm-hmm. it's like this quiet strength this hidden strength that takes her and you know the annunciation the fiat that takes her to the cross mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like it's completely kind of hidden quiet strong she's standing at the foot of the cross and it's like it just to me it speaks of like all our lives there'd be like the interior life that we're growing mm-hmm. right every day if we're turning things over following our lord's direction and stuff we're growing and there's this quiet movement that's very powerful though mm-hmm. that she's standing with 11 maybe 10 or yeah. how many are left at that point but uh i guess 10 abandoned you got john there the holy women and um that's uh, no small thing right to be there and then of course she's by name she's mentioned at pentecost in the upper yeah, room yeah so um yeah that's that's solid theology there <laughs> and you know i like to th- think too that you know she's at the foot of our crosses too mm-hmm. you know our struggling she's not going to abandon us she's going to show up in those moments mm-hmm. and i know you saw you had a chapter on john paul ii and he of course, uh, was very merry in his motto and everything. Um, but he's got this quote I love that he says, from Mary, it's like we learn to, to hope or to trust 
even when all hope seems lost. Hmm. And she said, he said that I, I'm a man of, of trust. I think he even said great trust. And he said, I learned it here at Yasnagora, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm, just over mm-hmm. the, uh, and I, I was so touched by that, that, um, cause who doesn't have fears and challenges and mm-hmm. temptations against that. Mm-hmm. But Mary and her fiat, it's almost like we can come alongside her strength and her fiat to the Lord and give our own. Um, so mm-hmm. what, what did you, what, what struck you about his chapter? Um, John Paul John II. Second. Um, actually, one of the one of the things that um, I loved about his was uh, his mom died when he was young, and so um, his dad, you know, brought him to a statue of Mary and said, "She will be your mother now." Mm. Um, and and how he took that to heart because it was coming from his dad. You know, mm. he would watch, he said his home was his first seminary. You know, he would, um, and in his house in Poland, you can, you can actually see what he's talking about when he says this, that he said when he would wake up in the morning, he would see his dad kneeling, yeah, praying. Yeah. And you know, if, have you been there to, yeah, yeah so there, yeah. it's a three room house. Right, so the, right. the office and the chop, or in the prayer room and the bedroom are the same. So yeah. you can see how he would wake up and see his dad right there. Yeah, so he yeah. would watch his dad and learn to pray from his dad and then when something like this, when, you know, in his grief, he, he wants his mom and his dad said, she, you know, she will be your mother now. He's going to take that to heart because it's coming from a source that he has, you know, who he loves. Right. right. And too, like the tailor, right? Jan, Jan Taranowski. Yeah. I heard somebody say it really struck me. You know, Jan, he didn't have like this raging, huge, successful rosary group. <laughs> This small little group of guys, and he's, he was a mystic, Carmelite, spirituality, a tailor, and yeah. and yet this little humble rosary group right. <laughs> produced Dev Paul II. You know. Well, you look at, I mean, his yeah, his story is crazy because all he did was they, you know, the the priests were being persecuted in World War II, mm. so um, they they came to him and said, "Can you do something for the youth?" Yeah. He said, "I'll just do what I know." Right. which is all taken a handful of young men and all teach them Marian consecration and the Carmelite spirituality. Yeah. So what, like his um, mission or his preparation, thinking this is just his quiet hidden life, which he was leading. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, wasn't a dynamic speaker by any means, but where, where God had led him in this, you know, these two devotions, then he passed that along to to JP2, who then his mission was to go out to the world. So it's not like each of us, you know, like you can, you can feel very hidden or feel like what you're doing in the day to day doesn't mean anything, but it, it, you know, maybe the, the kid that you're ministering to or the neighbor that you're talking to, it's their mission to then take what you say and go out to everybody, you know? Right. Yeah. I noticed that in my life too. Like it just clearly God anointed the words of some, like it might be seminary professors or even before I, like I had kind of this conversion experience and this another a layman that went to uh, Steubenville for school. And uh, I mean, to this day, I still remember things he said, mm-hmm. you know, so I think mm-hmm. God like uses these people in our lives in a powerful way. Mm-hmm. But what, what were some of your favorite saints in the book? That, um... Um, I would say, um, St. Therese is one of my favorites, Elizabeth of the Trinity. Um, in the second volume, there's a, a um, chaplain, an army chaplain in there, Father Emil Capon. 
Uh, so we Kansas, are, right? yeah, yeah. So as I say, we're from the diocese of Wichita. So right. he's big, but um, I I liked him before. I, I was drawn to him before, but actually in meeting Nick, it um, deepened my own uh, devotion to him because I have him to thank for Nick. So um, at the Vatican, there's three miracles that have been given for his cause, and one of them is actually my husband. Um, oh. And so, in that, Are you in, the pole vaulter? What's his name? Runner. Oh, runner. Okay. Yeah. So he, so Nick was running a 5K in 2011, and collapsed and went into cardiac arrest for nine minutes. And after okay. the defibrillator and everything, nothing worked. And his eighth grade cousin knelt down and said a prayer to Father Capon while he, Father Capon, while he was, Nick was in the ambulance. And the EMT describes a shot of electricity went through the ambulance, and Nick woke up and. Um, was totally fine, no brain damage, no heart damage, nothing. Mm. And um, so that was, uh, you know, researched or whatever written up and sent to the Vatican. But um, but he then, you know, you talk about the saints being alive and being intercessors in your life, that for sure. But then Father Capon has become a huge intercessor for our family in general and for other things for you know to have a baby for other you know just like daily things in our life we have very much he's a part of our family you know and mm-hmm. um and and we have a very tangible reason for that but but the saints in general just want they're here they're you know they're alive and they just want you to to ask for their intercession because they have all the time in the world to sit at the foot of the you know to sit at the foot of jesus and intercede mm-hmm. for us Right. We just don't always remember to ask. Right. And uh, some other saints that maybe maybe even taught you something or kind of expanded your view of Our Lady or mm-hmm. her role or to understand. Full Max Wayne Colby? Max Wayne Colby. Yeah. I love Max Wayne Colby. Yeah. His, I think um, the the um, aha moment came for me through him again, it was one of those things I had to read over and over until finally I was like, oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But the, I am the Immaculate Conception, Mm -hmm. how she takes the name of her spouse, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that relationship, and that actually helped me understand Marian consecration better of where she is, the spirit will be. Um, And so like just having that be the, the, the explanation of a Marian consecration to me makes it um, like yes, of course I would do this, hmm. you know, because yeah, where where she is, he's gonna he's gonna flood there because that's his spouse. Right. They're, you know, I mean, to become one. So, um, him, I love him. Um, and then being a mother yourself, this hmm. is you have one child. Yeah, yeah. Joseph has what is that? How's that deepened your understanding of Mary? Hmm. I think. Um, like he, Joseph is only four and a half months old, almost five months old. So he can't like do a lot. He can't like, you know, quote unquote, do things mm-hmm. for me. Um, but I love him so much. Like, I, you know, anything he does, we just like totally delight in it. You know, like mm-hmm. he smiles, he looks our way and he smiles. And it's like, oh my gosh, that was the best thing ever, you know? And so it's little, it's little things, but it shows like, I want to, um, like I, I just like have a natural tendency and I think as humans we all do to like to prove that we're worthy of being loved or to quote unquote earn something or you know and, and we can't we can't do that it's like to, to look at a child and see him just receive everything and all he he can give back is a smile and that's enough you mm-hmm. know so 
just that reminder of like, God, we talked about this last night, like God just wants to, us to just look at him and smile. You don't need to, you know, do all these things for him. Like he right. wants to do things through us, right. but not because we've earned it, right. you know? So um, that I've reflected upon that a lot. And then just, just the intercessor, intercessory power of a mother, I think. Um, and I don't, I don't know, this is, this is just a reflection that I have had recently and whatever, I don't know if this is anything but um, thinking about. So I was, I'm doing the 30 week exercise, the Ignatian spiritual exercises. And so I was on the um, Jesus, you know, there's Ignatius has this um, idea and, and I know it's um, probably a lot of people have had it that the first person Jesus comes to when he rises is his mother. Mm. And um, talking also about, you know, Mary being a, like hopeful, is um, thinking about, so she takes everything he says and ponders it in her heart. So she hears him say he will rise after three days. Um, and so her, she's holding on to that hope that he will. And she, she is praying. I mean, she, you know, in that Holy Saturday and in the time between when he dies and when he rises, like you just know she's, she's praying and, um, and he rises after like 40 hours. I mean, yeah, it's three days. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but but the power of the intercessor of a mother, I mean, did did that did God have mercy on her and shorten that time? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just thinking about that of just yeah the the responsibility, but also the power of a mother's intercession. Yeah, yeah. I always feel like well, we say three days, but we're celebrating Easter <laughs> vigils. It's like we're cheating it's like here. But... Hours later, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. You know, that yeah, he would appear to her just out of her fervent prayers. Mm -hmm. and, and I see that in mothers, you know, and women and just praying for their families, their mm -hmm. children and individuals. I, when I, in fact, when I was up at St. Charles at this Marian conference, I had given some talks there and, and it was mostly women, but there was a number of guys, just like 300 people or something. And I just, I remember, you know, they had seen me on EWTN, so they wanted to talk to me, but every, so they had this line form and every woman asked me to pray for somebody. Mm. And the guys would maybe tell me their own kind of story or something, but they didn't ask me to really pray for yeah, them. And I, I remember it was like, it was, I'm literally, it was like literally every single one. And I, I thought, wow, I mean, God clearly, I think it's the heart of a mother. Yeah. And it's something he, he places in a, a mother's heart, a woman's heart, and that, sensitivity to the person that focus on the human mm -hmm, person mm -hmm. so yeah and i think like a heavenly mother mm -hmm. the fact that we have a a mother's heart in heaven like praying for us because it's powerful here on earth mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> it's so i can imagine what the perfect mother you know is i think the montfort talked about that the, mm -hmm. the greatness of that um but that's great and so Therese, uh, she impacted you as well? Yeah, so, I, so I'm so i the second of seven kids and I'm really close with my siblings and I have uh, three sisters. So I'm like particularly close with my sisters. And so um, certain saints, you know, you, you kind of find commonalities and you're like, oh, I really like them. Mm -hmm. and, um, and Therese is really close with her sisters and, you know, wrote Story of a Soul for two of her sisters. Mm -hmm. um, 
and when when they were in the convent, but still one was the mother and the other was the older sister who prompted the mother to ask. Um, and then, and so that, I, I love her for that because I have that um, connection with her. But then also just in her discovery of the little way, um, I read that she, they didn't have access, she didn't have access to a full Bible in Carmel. And so her sister, Celine, hadn't entered yet. Mm. And so Celine would write her, scripture passages that had that she had been praying with mm. you know to hope this blesses you also and so she has these pieces of the bible and it's through this that the little way is revealed to her oh. so it's like her it's just it's like a family affair you know it's like yeah. it's Teresa's yeah. little way but it's you know her her sister is the one who taught her about um the the cups being filled with grace how you know the the thimble is just as full as the cup um, that was a teaching from her sister. So it's like Therese is the one who was... Um, she marketed it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's the one, she's like the face of it, if you will, you know, but it's this she's whole family brand. behind her <laughs> yeah. that, that did it. And so that, I love that. And the same with Elizabeth of the Trinity of reading her and realizing this is, she's writing to her sister who's a mom. You know, at the time that she wrote this, retreat for her sister. Her sister had two kids. By uh, by the end, she had eight. But it's like she's, you know, she gifted the church with just these incredible insights, but she didn't look at it like that. She looked at it as, I'm trying to help my sister who is, you know, an exhausted mother of two and a wife grow in holiness also, you know, and that just like indirectly blessed everybody else. So. Right. We've talked about like the intercessory prayer and even the mediation to some degree. What about the suffering? Um, you know, Mary's at the foot of the cross mm -hmm. and suffering her compassion there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think St. Bernard described it as two altars on Calvary, mm -hmm. right? Mary's and and Jesus, they're offering up. But did any reflections on that um, strike you? I mean, in terms of like the saints and Our Lady of Sorrows or the Suffering Mother? Yeah. So I would say in general, um, Mary makes, she doesn't ease our suffering, but, but, um, to know you're not suffering alone, that in itself is yeah. an ease of a suffering, you know, and to know that she's with us in our suffering. I think that's, um, shown time and time again in the saints, yeah. but, um, one particular, so Elizabeth of Lesseur is a woman that I write about in volume two. And um, she's a, a French woman in the early 1900s, and she was married to an atheist. And he um, tries to get her to leave her faith, um, and and he starts to succeed. He kind of brings her on all of these extravagant trips, and they entertain the Russian czar and his wife when they're in Paris. She's from Paris, and she starts to kind of get carried into that world. And then she gets sick and um, she has this just chronic illness after illness. And in this suffering, um, it was painful. These illnesses were painful for her. It forced her to stay home and it forced her to reflect on her suffering. And in that, um, she grew in her relationship with Jesus. And, um, and you know she's close to Mary because she... Uh, there's a trip where, so she asked Mary to um, intercede for the healing of her nephew. And she says, if he's healed, we'll do a Thanksgiving pilgrimage to Lourdes. 
And so the nephew's healed. And so she, her, Elizabeth, her sister, her nephew are going to go. But she's so sick that her husband, Felix, doesn't want to let her go without him. So he goes. And she says to, to, the, um, to Mary and Lourdes, um, she asks for the conversion of her husband as a gift for the Sacred Heart, to the Sacred Heart. Um, so, and, and then she says that um, she gives her life an offering for the life of her husband. So um, after that, her suffering increased, um, but it was a peaceful suffering because she, you know, knew again this is um, that that it, her suffering had purpose. And this is after the trip. This is after the yeah. trip. Her suffering increased. Yeah, she gets mm -hmm. sicker. Can't figure out what's wrong. Never found out what's the matter with her. And um, but again, she knows her suffering has purpose because. Um, she she offered it you know and um and so anyways she ends up dying her atheist husband finds her journals finds that she offered her life to him he goes back to lords to once and for all you know prove that the, the catholic faith is wrong has this massive encounter himself he becomes a dominican priest and he um so and then he you know he has the rest of his life is lived um in the faith, but she didn't get to see that uh, in her lifetime. And, you know, these, these two, this just ordinary Paris couple, we probably wouldn't know a ton about, like maybe he published her journals, so they became popular in Europe, but their story spread in America because um, Fulton Sheen went on a retreat and he heard this story and it was Felix Lasour giving the retreat. So he heard his story. So then he comes back and he spreads the story. So their, you know, story maybe uh, would have never been known had, you know, the same type of thing of like, yeah. we have no idea what God is doing. And this very hidden, what looks like um, maybe even unsuccessful wife right. who she dies in her 40s, then like catapults to her husband to then Fulton Sheen to then like the world and, and her cause is open. Yeah. So. And she's quoted... In an encyclical or a church document on um, on confession, on penance and mm. confession or something, John it was written in, under John Paul II, and and the quote is that I think it's something like the soul that rises above itself, like raises up the whole world or lifts mm. up the whole world. Cool. Yeah. So like in the body of Christ and the communion of the church, when you have someone make the sacrifices and transcend themselves. Mm -hmm. They lift up, it impacts everybody. Mm -hmm. And that seems so Marian because it's hidden. And you know, it's even done with more faith if it's hidden. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it for what I get out of it, you know. Right. You're like in the agonies of tuberculosis or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. I was just in, that was in Portugal for World Youth Day and I was learning more about Jacinta, you know, at nine mm -hmm. years old, mm -hmm. tuberculosis like a wound in her chest and Gosh. you know she just completely embraced god's will and and our lady asked her you know mm -hmm. would you really willing mm -hmm. to suffer more for sinners because she had the spanish flu francisco yeah right yeah. right is she a chapter in your book uh they are yeah, yeah. The, the, the three but it was interesting writing it during the 2020 pandemic talking about how they died in the 1918 flu pandemic yeah you know yeah. but but again like isn't that an example of uh, the intercession of Mary, like what nine-year-old is like, yes, I will, you know, take all of that on. And as she says before, 
uh, Mary appeared to them and, you know, their their parents or whatever would say, pray the rosary, and they'd just say, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. You know, it's like <laughs> the difference of an encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this little museum I went to in Lisbon, they, they had her rosary. Mm. And it was it was worn out. It was worn. And I just I just couldn't help but just think. One, you look she was in this one orphanage that was like ten days now, it's a poor Claire monastery. But mm. so they still had the bed and I thought, man, just you know, what happened on that bed, you know, yeah. her suffering or fiat and and then that rosary of just like praying the rosary, how powerful that is mm -hmm. and how humble it all looks, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Completely missed by the world, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But, well, thank you so much uh, for talking with us. And uh, it's a great, great thoughts and inspirations for us. Too. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah.